welcome back to the Hats Off Podcast. I'm Mark Tribble, joined here by Rod Self and Studio B. We got a big show for you guys today. Happy Sunday morning to you. I know some of you guys have been out at games Friday night and Saturday night, Saturday morning, and youth games and all that jazz. Um, you know, we got a lot of action to recap as always. Appreciate everybody tuning in. First thing I want to do is uh, give a shout out to our sponsor who brings us here each week, and that is the Morristown Fieldhouse, designed to provide a high quality destination based indoor sports training facility, sports science center that offers a wide range of uses and services, including best in class physical therapy, sports training and fitness, 55,000 square foot facility, open to all residents, sports teams, recreational clubs and corporations a 70-yard climate-controlled indoor turf game field, 10,000-square-foot turf training center. It's a facility that offers unlimited opportunities. Great for getting in there and training or you have a practice as the weather starts to get a little bit chillier like it is today. Uh, You can call them at 856-581-9293 or visit fieldhousemorristown.com for more details. The Morristown Fieldhouse, where champions train and play. Um, Yeah, Rod, it is getting a little bit chillier now. It definitely is. Yeah. It's, uh, it'd be nice if, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's one of these, it's, when it starts to get like this, that cold front came in last night with the rain, um, you know, you start to start to sleep a little bit better. Definitely. I was uh, definitely in my zone, rolled over, looked at the clock, and I'm like, man, we, we, we have this show this morning. So it was definitely one of those uh, tough mornings to roll out of bed. It's a little chilly in the in the house. You're under the blankets, you know. It is. It's a tough one to get up for, but always enjoy coming in. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good show today. You know, we got Cedar Creek's Jaquan Howard, who was excellent in the TurnersvilleJeep.com game of the week. Um, you know, he he had a monster game as the Pirates remained undefeated and beat Cedar Creek. I mean, I'm sorry, didn't beat Cedar Creek. He plays for Cedar Creek. Beat, you can tell I need a little more coffee. Beat Winslow <laughs> on Friday night. He was great. Big third quarter for him. Um, so we're going to have him on. We're also going to talk to Barrett Brooks of NBC Sports Philadelphia about, you know, what's what's going on with these with the birds and, um, and kind of his connection to South Jersey football. So big show, lot to talk about. Playoff season is just around the corner. I mean, it's even closer than that, it feels like. We've got, you know, I know they unleashed the uh, the rankings last night, the updated rankings on Gridiron, New Jersey. And there's a lot of compelling conversations to be had both today and on our show Wednesday night. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, we're going to bring on our guy, Jaquan Howard, here in a second mm-hmm. and see what he has to say about these Cedar Creek Pirates. Um I couldn't have been more impressed with him and that team on Friday night. So let's see what Jaquan has to say. Give him a call now. Yeah, give him a ring. Big back. Really is. Hello? Jaquan, you there? Yeah. Hey, welcome in, man. Uh, you know, I'm glad you took the time to to give us uh, 
a couple minutes here on Sunday morning. Congratulations on the big win again on Friday night against Winslow. Take me back thank, to Friday thank, night, thank man, now that you've had a day to sit about, sit around and uh, I know you went to Stony Brook on a visit, and I hope that went well. But now that you've had a day to kind of reflect on it, what stands out to you most about your performance on Friday night? Uh, honestly, the, the way our team played. Came and executed very well, stuck with each other. You know, I really felt like a family out there. The way your team this year, you got so many guys who can make plays, and we talked about this briefly after the game, but between JoJo Bermudez, um, Elijah Smalls, Kevin Doherty, some other guys, you you seem to have so many weapons, but you on Friday night kind of stole the show. You gave credit to your linemen. Tell me about that third quarter, man. Eight carries for 158 yards in that third quarter. What was going right for your entire team in that quarter? Uh, we had to show why our record is 7-0. Having probably one of the hardest schedules. You know, people were just saying we didn't really face anybody. We were expected to lose, and we had to show them what we were about. Yeah, that extra long halftime because it was homecoming for Winslow, and I know you told me before, but tell our tell our uh, viewers and listeners exactly what Coach Melody said at halftime and what that attitude was like at halftime because you're losing thirteen to seven and then you turn it on. And we came out uh, halftime. We were losing. You know, nobody had to hear it down because we had a whole other half. We knew we had to. Just turn it up a notch. We made some adjustments on defense. You know, we saw some things that we could keep going through on offense, which is like running the ball, certain route concepts. And we just decided just to use that. We saw some weaknesses against their defense. And we just used that against them in the second half. What's it been like this year, Jaquan? Um, you know, it started at the Battle of the Beach where you guys actually ended up playing in um, at Camden Catholic. But the season, being undefeated, like you said, taking on all comers, right? You went to Holy Spirit. You won that game 7-6. to six. You were on a short week. You played Wilson at home. You beat them. I think it was 21-8. to eight. Um, you're, you're in what I would think is the toughest division in the West Jersey Football League in terms of top to bottom. And you're undefeated. What has this year been like for you guys to just keep that momentum going forward? I mean, it's been nothing nothing but amazing. And, you know, it's like I kind of, kind of speechless for real. We worked real hard, you know. We knew the kind of schedule we had coming up. And we just keep winning and winning. And it's, just, it's just a good feeling, you know, to win with your boys to be in, like, the current, the hardest division and not lose at all, that's, that's something not a lot of people can say. Tell me about your team as a whole and the development over one season. Last year, things were not great for you guys. You didn't finish the way you wanted to. Coach Melody's first season was last year there, um, and he said you guys have just attacked the weight room in the off season and all the training programs 
and what we're seeing now are those results. So when did you guys kind of sit down after the season and realize, look, guys, we got to get better because we're not doing this in our senior year? Well, I, I transferred over uh-huh. a little a little bit later, uh, like probably like a month before the season, I would say, something like that. So when you got and there, you could sense that that, is all, that had already been in the works. When I got there, it was just only thing that was in my mind was championship. Right. The way them guys was working hard and helping each other out, boosting each other. That's, that's really what a team is all about. I came in, I fit right in. And, you know, we just executed as a team. What's something about JoJo, you know, as, as good as he is, and I watched him made some incredible plays on Friday night. As being his teammate, what's it like practicing with him every day and seeing some of the stuff he's capable of? It's honestly amazing watching him. You know, some people give him a lot of slander, but that guy is just an all-around athlete. Offense, defense, special teams. Uh, he, gives, he gives me a lot of competition. It makes me go harder. Makes the team go harder. Yeah. And here's the other thing I want to ask you, Jaquan. The playoffs are coming up. Obviously, you know, it gets colder. That means number 22 is getting the ball a lot more. And that's a good recipe for you guys, especially after the way you've been playing. But when you look at kind of this group three now, there's a lot of good teams in there. Wilson's in there. uh, Delcy's in there. What is, what's your mentality when you hit the playoffs in terms of, look, guys, we know we want to be there at the end and we should be there at the end, but we got to keep our focus on one week at a time. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, you know, like Coach Melody says, we want to know each week. We can't take any team lightly, treat every game the same, and just give our all every play. When it's playoffs, it's a one and done. Absolutely. Rod, you got anything for Jaquan? Um, I was just just thinking about <clears throat> coming across you your first game, um, Battle of the Beach, down at uh, Camden Catholic. Coming into the season, a lot of people didn't know who you were. So on a stage like that, you know, I, I was the one who, you know, broadcast the game. So I'm seeing the analytics camp coming in, and that's the highest rated game that we did this year. So was there any added, you know, um, oomph, like I want to go out and make sure people know my name, who I am coming into this this season? Yeah, most definitely, you know, all season, I was working real hard, maybe about working out two to three times a day. You know, I just knew this was my last season. Mm-hmm. I've been underrated a lot. And I just had to come out, give them a show, battle by the beach. It was a... Uh, you know, highly covered, a lot of publicity about it, and I know eyes were going to be on us, and we just had to come out. It just goes to show, Rod, that so many people watch that stream, because from what I remember, it felt like the game was over in the first quarter. <laughs> it must have gotten right in at the beginning. <laughs> it, it definitely was over quick. I mean, you, you're you're kind of punishing bruiser type back you 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 give me um i'm ohio state fan so i kind of think of like guys like eddie george i think of um guys that played like for the 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 giants hampton some of the old school bruiser backs 
Maurice Claret. Like you give me that type of vibe going into the game. Are you thinking as a game go on, I'm going to keep punishing these guys or like, what's your, what's your style and who do you kind of model your game after? Every since a young kid, uh, they gave me the nickname Beastman from Marshall Lynch. Yeah, I, I can and see. That it. Just, That's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. You, you're definitely punishing guys. So, my 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 last question, and I'm gonna let it go. I know you know everybody's kind of professional with you, but I'm gonna ask you a question. Taking that 45 minute, 50 minute ride up up, uh, will you come up to Whitehorse Pike 73 or or the Turnpike? <laughs> AC Expressway, one of them. All right, so 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 what what are what are you listening to to get you in the beast mode mood? Oh, man, uh, I'm kind of a diehard fan, uh, NBA young boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and listen to him straight there. Maybe about like two albums. Give <laughs> me locked in, you know, just focus. Well, Kwani, okay. look, he says if you want to win, put Kwani in. Um. I couldn't be more happy for you in the way that you played on Friday night, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, you know, you, you got the hat. You deserved every bit of that. Huge game. More than 200 yards rushing. Really broke the game open with your, your touchdown run there um, in the third quarter, the long one. <laughs> Best of luck down the road, man. We hope to have you back on the show at some other point. You get that hat. which is, You know, he, he told me he was going to get it. And he got it. Now, it's also 15 other kids say they're going to get it. But, you know, he called it. Yeah, I, I was figuring he would get it one day when you watched them. I mean, they've been my sleeper team the whole season. And I'm glad they're kind of showing guys um, that they are for real. They are the real deal. Yeah. Um, I've been watching, you know, JoJo for a very long time. I think I've jumped on him like sixth grade. And... It's good that you guys are kind of playing some really good teams now, so you guys really get to showcase it. Like you said earlier, some people have been doubting you guys, you know, saying you haven't played anybody, but you guys are definitely proving that you're one of the better teams in South Jersey. So congratulations, good luck as the season goes on for you, Jaquan. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate both of y'all. All right. Thanks, Jaquan. Good luck, man. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. That was Jaquan Howard of Cedar Creek. Had a spectacular game on Friday night. Uh, got the hat in the big win over Winslow, which I think the final score ended up being thirty-five to twenty-seven or something like that. But really, uh, I didn't. You know, I thought when it was twenty-eight thirteen at the end of the third quarter. Really, that's kind of where the game had had been decided, and that was kind of the difference between the two teams. I think it's the toughest division in West Jersey League. I know the other division is is probably, you know, to have St. Augustine and Millville at the top of it, our number one and two teams. It's pretty tough, and Shawnee's in there as well. But I think when you look at that division of Cedar Creek, Winslow, Wilson, Camden High, Holy Spirit, and Pleasantville's also in there. But those five teams, I mean, you know, at one point, other than Camden High, who's been coming on here lately, those were all top ten teams in South Jersey at one point. So they've taken they, and different styles mm-hmm. too, right? And they've taken everybody's best punch, and they're undefeated. And everybody's loading up to to beat them. And it's it's one thing to go on a roll under the radar, yeah, 
But now some of these teams are, you know, they have the target on them. So coming into, you know, your next game, which is the most important game, is the next game. So every week you have to be in a mindset of going 1-0. and And that's, that's very difficult sometimes for, you know, 14 to 18-year-olds. It is. And, and they're also very balanced, Rod. And I say that not just offensively because they – and J.C. Landesini, I, I failed to mention him earlier. He really played well at quarterback, uh, put the ball in the right spots. They're very balanced offensively, of course, but they're balanced as a team. Uh, the defense – I thought the defense played really well. Right. I mean, Elijah Smalls, very impressive player, had a huge interception. The Reds right. that came right before that long run of Howard's. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you – and in talking to Coach Melody after the game, when you play a great team, the thing is, the game can end like that. Right. I know. I know it's a game of inches. It goes on. Yeah. I mean, you, you get different possessions, time yeah. possession, all the turnovers, all that stuff. All the coaches speak. The Mac and I always joke about. But when you play a team like that, and you throw that interception in the end zone, mm-hmm. you have to stop the bleeding there. Right. And, and that's a, that one play at a time mentality, mm-hmm. especially against a team as good as them. Yeah. And after that interception, you're like, whew, Winslow had that drive that, you know, they're going to have to get the ball back and do it again. Well, by the time they got the ball back, Quanty had already ran for 70 yard touchdown. Right. And then at that point, the game is elementary. It's, like it's, 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 it's over it's, at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just those great teams find a way to kind of. Stack those plays together real quick, and the next thing you know, you're like, "How did this happen?" How did it? Ha- it was a one-two punch, and the the significance of that 70 yard run to me when I was watching was they didn't want it. It didn't seem like the guys wanted to come up and tackle him. You you right. see the safeties; they're right. diving at his feet. Yeah. So after a while, you're you're wearing on them, yeah. and these guys. I mean, they play to me. I'm looking at them, and I'm like, kind of like a group one playing style, like. These guys are lining up on one side and just walking across the ball to play defense and right. middle linebacker and, you know, your corners or, or your starting receivers. So it's not like they're getting a lot of breaks. These guys are really putting in the work out there. Yeah, I think they have six three-year starters on that team, too. So just, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of talent. Uh, Chuck Langerman, our buddy here, says they've, they've now won 10 straight games, which ties a school record. Mm. Um they can break it if they beat Camden this weekend. That is, uh, that would seal the deal of the undefeated record uh, in the regular season, and of course, give them the championship in the division. Yeah, Cedar Creek is a, is is definitely a tough cover. You know, you you we we were talking about it in the stand yesterday about having a team. You don't necessarily need six or seven good players in high school football. Right. You need maybe three. Correct. Three, yeah. maybe four. You know, yeah. you just need some guys that can make some dudes. timely plays for you. Yeah. But what you look at Cedar Creek, they they have the quarterback. They have two wide receivers. They have a running back. And then defensively, they swarm to the ball. So it's like it's one of those things. Uh, are we going to take, you know, JoJo out of the game? We're going to play deep. We're going to have somebody over top of them. Well, if you do that <laughs> – Beast mode gets off, right? So it's it's yeah. it's a fine line where most teams don't have the personnel to match up man-to-man on the outside, stack the box, and make you beat them, you know, throwing the ball because yeah. they have the tools to do it. 
it's it's one of those uh, tough tough covers. Our guy Tom Pagic of Jersey Gridiron Scouts in the comments, and and you know Tom said at the beginning of the season when I said you know Tom, who are the guys at the Battle of the Beach you look out for for mm-hmm. each team that you've seen? Uh, number one in big red letters was Jaquan Howard, mm-hmm. and he said he is one of the best backs in South Jersey. And you know what? Tom was exactly right. I mean, it, it, it was very clear on Friday night. He put himself into that category, category top five. this year. Definitely top five mm-hmm. of the of the players I've seen this year. I mean, Udo is up there. I think Bam is incredible. Mm-hmm. I love Bam. Um, Jonathan, who was here last week. What about the guy around the corner? Guy around the corner, Teddy. The other guy around the corner. The other guy <laughs> from, around from the corner. Gloucester City. Oh yeah, Steve Sharkey. Um, it's some. It's some really, some really good backs. Good running backs. There's mm-hmm. no question. But this guy is up there for sure. So um, it was a pleasure to meet him uh, and to see the Pirates do what they've been doing all year. I know we had Coach Melody on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, it was nice to see them in person. Mm-hmm. It's a long time since Battle of the Beach, and you know. Winslow's a lot better team than the Scotch Plains family. So, right. Uh, it was interesting. Interesting. Uh, Dwayne's in here. Calvin. Um, all the commenters. We love it. I do want to give a shout-out again. Anybody who is uh, in, involved in a youth program, email me, junior and senior level stats at mthatsoff at gmail.com. I don't know if this team won yesterday or not. Um you might know, actually. Did Kingsway beat Millville yesterday? Youth? Yeah. I, Seventh, I, eighth grade? Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't want to know. I was uh I was at the doing the Wilson game yeah, and we were a little tied up. <laughs> and then came here and did another but show. I, so. I do want to shout out uh just because, you know, if even though they played yesterday and I have it, I want to make sure everybody gets mentioned and sends stuff in. Mm-hmm. So um Kingsway I guess eight days ago now, uh, beat Deford before this Millville game. Mason Bryan had 80 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Micah Williams ran for a 45-yard touchdown run. Ty McClear, that name sound familiar? Yes. Four carries for 200 yards of four touchdowns. Yes. that's the, Four that's, for 200. That's the third one. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, you, one thing that we probably should do when we're asking them to send it in, it's, it's send final score. You know who won, so you know final score and some stats, so we can uh, well, be that's, accurate. That's what we. That's what I asked for. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm just happy we get any of this stuff on here because, and and I know it's only going to get better. Right. So it is what it is. Um, if anybody, I'm sure people watching the show know what the score was of the Millville Kingsway game yesterday. So if you know it, it's people it in here. people in here that should know yeah. definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's Sunday, and today, the good news about this Sunday is us Eagles fans don't have to watch the Eagles play with the way that they've been playing here recently. Really been struggling on offense, I think, to say the least. Uh, defense has played a little bit better, Rod. Yep. But the offense, I just, gosh, it's been a struggle. Uh, Barrett Brooks who does a pregame and postgame live for NBC Sports Philadelphia. He's going to join us here in a minute to help parse out exactly what he thinks is going on with these Eagles. Um, I have my own opinions, but I'm going to leave it to the expert. Leave it to the 
to the the pro. You know, they, they all say we are experts, right? <laughs> the the Eagles fans, we are ex- experts. So <laughs> it's a little funny, but um, we seem like more experts than the coaches sometimes. I mean, he's he's running uh, this year. You know, when you run in that, we saw better offenses this week. I, that's all I'll say, <laughs> right? I can't disagree with you, Rod. Not on that. Ready to get Barry to call? Yeah, give him a call. Get him on here and see what he has to say. And appreciate him taking the time out. Join the show. Hello. Hey, Barrett, how are you? Good, good, good. How's it going? Uh, things are going well, man. I was just telling Rod it's a it's a good day today because we don't have to to tune into the Eagles on Sunday. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks, man. And we want to get your expertise on what the heck's going on over there. So thank you for joining us. No problem, man. No problem. Um, first, Barrett, for for our viewers who don't know necessarily, I know you you're in South Jersey. You've been involved with some South Jersey football here um, since you're you know, settled in the area. So tell our folks a little bit about, you know, just what it's like to be in South Jersey and, and kind of your connection to the area right now. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm from St. Louis, but when I got here, I got drafted by the Eagles in the second round in 1995. So since then, you know, my kids grew up in, um, in, in Voorhees. So, you know, I was, you know, a lot interested in, in Eastern because Eastern school my kids went to. So, I mean, there's a lot of kids that come through here that had great careers here. Uh, Chris Canty from um, Eastern, he's a guy that, you know, I, I went to school with at Kansas State. So I knew a little bit about it. But, you know, when I got down here, man, there's some great football down here. So, you know, I've been trying to get tied in a little bit as, as I keep going, um, you know, up and, 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 you know, my doing my NFL stuff, my college football stuff. I'm trying to get a little bit into the, the, the high school scene, just a little bit. Well, we can help you there, Bear. But this is exactly the place you need to be for that, man. Um, I, so you were drafted in '95 by the Eagles, and Ray Rhodes was the coach, correct? Yeah. Now, were you on the team that stopped Emmett on fourth and one, or or were you drafted after that? No, no, that was actually my rookie year. Tell me about yeah, that play, man. Unbelievable! You know, talk about the audacity of a guy who just, you know, think he would think, you know. Coach was thinking too highly of himself and just thought, all right, I'm just going to run the same play that I just ran. And they ran Emmett right up the middle. And our defense was ready for it, you know. Um, you know, I was drafted, like I said, with uh, Mamula. He was in on the play. Uh, Bobby Taylor, you know, they all brought us in. And we all started as young rookies, you know. You know, Mamula being the first rounder and uh, me and Bobby T in the second round. So we contributed early. But, you know, just to be able to get into the playoffs from that game, stopping them, you know, you've heard the, the famous Merrill call. It was just an unbelievable experience, you know. And, and I don't know if you guys remember after that, but uh, we had to leave and go uh, practice and have our, um, you know, preparation for the game actually in, uh, actually in, um, in um, Florida. So, oh, you know, really? it was kind of, you know, kind of weird. But, you know, because that big snowstorm that came and we had, you know, that – we got into the playoff. We beat up on, on Detroit, and then we had to fly after the game, fly directly to Florida to keep from getting snowed in for the storm in our preparation uh, for Dallas the next game. That gosh, that had to have affected you guys. I mean, just well, pick up we, the we, line. 
It, 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 well, I'm not going to say that. I mean, that, that was a good team. You know, Dallas was a good team back then. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. But, yeah. you know, it was just just a, just a whirlwind. You know, it's me being a rookie and, and, you know, going through all that and then, you know, playing against, you know, all those superstars. You know, it, it, was just, it was just a great time, a great, great time. Barrett, when you look at this year's team, you know, and I don't want you to look too closely because it could hurt your eyes at some points. But when you, when you look at this year's team, Barrett, and you just talked about the guys contributing on defense um, as rookies, you, Mamula, and Bobby Taylor, and these guys, the defensive scheme they have now, kind of this, this shell where you keep everything in front of you, and maybe not the strength of, of the middle of the defense with the linebackers, it seems like it, it's almost counterproductive at times, Barrett, like... You're not giving up big plays, but you're not. You can't stop the short plays because everybody's so far back. What do you think? There philosophically, that this defense right now is in a good place. You know, and I'll actually I don't. And um, you know, I've been saying in our post game show a lot. This team on the defensive side of the ball has some really good guys in the secondary. In fact. This is one of the few teams we've had in which I believe in the secondary being able to play up close, play tighter, and you know being more aggressive from everywhere else because you have a, a defensive backs that are so good. You can go out there. You, I think you can blitz because you know Slay and Nelson are two cornerbacks that can really play aggressive and they can throw the timing off route. Avanti Maddox is growing up and you know right before our eyes and playing at a high level. He's a guy that can play tight, um, not, not even man-to-man, run matchup zone. Run a defense in which you have these guys up a little tighter because I truly believe that they, you know, they're the type of quality guys that we need in order to be more aggressive. I understand, you know, he doesn't want to get beat by the big play, but, hey, we got two pretty good safeties in Smith and McLeod. These guys playing very, very well, in the, in the, um, you know, back in the secondary. So why not be more aggressive in how you play call? You know, we're not we're too passive, you know. I mean, this team as a whole is being coached to be very passive in the play calling, you know, and that's really hurting us, especially when you have the athletes that you have uh, in that secondary. Like I said, Slay and Nelson have been playing big time when you allowed them and activated them to be more aggressive. Now, if that takes, you know, stop playing cover two so much, then so be it. Run cover one, run man three. Defenses in which you can have your guys more aggressive and understanding, you know, these guys want to play that way, but they're not allowing them to right now. And it's, it's kind of worrisome to me because when I looked at them during training camp, I saw they were a lot more aggressive in how they were playing, their play calling. You know, they had multiple fronts. This isn't the same team that I saw in the preseason. Well, not even the preseason, during training camp, where those guys had multiple fronts, very aggressive, and were out there challenging, um, you know, Cornerback, I mean, I'm challenging wide receivers, and the quarterback played a lot differently during those uh, inner squad scrimmages they had, where you know the head coach said they won the day, they won that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, go back to what you were doing back then, being more aggressive. I don't see that right now; it's really hurting them. Well, Barrett, too, and and you speak to your experience here when you're on a defense, and it seems like the idea is, hey guys, just like just just don't let them get over top. Okay, this is this is. This becomes a cultural belief, right? This is your philosophical tenet. Like, just play like that. And you said no, no aggressiveness. That's got to permeate. These guys want to come downhill and hit, 
right? That's why they're playing defense. They want to be aggressive. Exactly. They want to force turnovers. And instead, they want to go out there and be as aggressive as they can, man. Yeah, it's got to affect the whole kind of unit in general. That, hey, who instead of who's going to make a play, it's, hey, who's going to make a tackle after a seven-yard gain? Exactly. And you, know, and you look, I understand we have some deficiencies at the linebacker position. Alex Singleton, he has a lot of tackles. Like, he had 15 tackles his last game. But they weren't impact tackles. Impact right. tackles are tackles that are either beyond three yards behind the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And and those are those are plays that you would call impact tackles. We don't have many of those. He may have 15 tackles, but they're seven yards down the field, nine yards down the field, six yards down the field. To me, those are tackles are just like fluff tackles because you, you're not getting – you're not getting the impact of them being a, a stop at a critical position. These are just, all right, he just saved the touchdown or he just saved the big play. I want more impact tackles. The only way you can do that is by activating them on defense. You know, if it takes slanting the defensive line, that way you would make your linebackers go downhill and fill their gaps, I think that'll work. You know, they did that a little bit against the Panthers and they played more aggressive. They need to do something to get these guys playing at an aggressive level, because I don't see it right now. What's going on, Barrett? This is, this is Rick, man. Um, What's up, man? I've had the pleasure of watching football games with you and Trot in the stands over at uh, at the high school doing your son's <laughs> hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's burning you up. How difficult is it for you to watch, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox, everybody's on him. How difficult is it for you to watch him, you know, struggle right now. Do you think the way that we're talking about the defense of coverage and things like that, do you think that's playing a part in, you know, why his numbers have dropped? It's definitely because I've for, for the first time this year, I've watched an offensive lineman block Fletch man on man. I've never seen that before. He's never been a guy that you could block man on um, man against man. He's a guy that you had to double team and triple team. I can't believe I'm seeing Fletch playing block one-on-one. I mean, that's, 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 that's unconceivable to me. He's a better player than that. And I don't know whether it's the play calling or what they have him doing, because if you see Hargrove, Hargrave is playing at a high level, and he's taking advantage of the one-on-one blocks whenever he had the opportunity, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's playing, he's playing fast. He's playing explosive. Well, at this point, you know, they're not doing that up front. And I think, like I said, you have to activate them against the Panthers. They moved those guys around. They ran a lot of stunts. They moved them around. But I didn't see that versus Kansas City, and I didn't see that versus, um, you know, uh, their last opponent. I didn't see it, you know. So, to me, it's mind-boggling that you see you have success with something, and then you don't go back to it. When you move these guys around, it's, it's, it's giving them more an aggressive nature which now activates, you know, the linebackers to be more aggressive because they have to go field and make sure they're in their gap. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the play calling that can take you farther than actually, you know, the athletes you have in front of you playing. You know, once you tell them, hey, I want you to get here, they have no problem getting there. But, you know, if you're not really getting them in a position or you're calling a, a, a less aggressive game, a more of a passive game, then you're going to get passive results. Yes. Go out there in the mindset that you're going to call a more aggressive game, and I guarantee you those guys up front will play more aggressive because it comes to contest. Once these guys start hunting, they start being competitive, not just against the guys they're playing against, but amongst themselves. Hargrave goes out and gets a sack. Now Fletcher's mad. Now he needs to go get a sack. 
Now you're getting sweat aggravated. Now he wants to go out there and do his sack dance. It mm-hmm. becomes infectious. It becomes contagious. Once one guy gets some success from being aggressive, then everybody else will start falling suit. They need to be more aggressive in their play calling just to get everybody playing more aggressive. That, that's what I wanted to hear because, you know, uh, not to cut you off, Mark, but these guys, Barrett and, and Trot and, you know, some of the ex-players, when they don't have ties to the game, you can hear – what we just heard, that passion coming out of Barrett. I wanted to kind of touch yeah, on that. No, it's great. And yeah. and it's exactly what, what what you're seeing and and so frustrating, you know, week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And Barrett, I look at this offense right now. I mean, 100 yards, they hit that mark in the fourth quarter against a defense that, that basically uh, has been shredded by the pass. And even without running the ball at all, they, it took them that long to get to 100 yards. What are you seeing from this offense? And and it seems like the severe deficiencies. I know the line's been juggled around, but I thought the line has played decently given the pieces. What are you seeing from this? Well, you know, you see exactly what I'm seeing. You have an offensive line that's playing positive because they're only doing a blocking pass. Yep. Give them an opportunity to run block, come off the ball, be more aggressive. You know, when you pass that, you know, and I was a better pass blocker than I was a run. But when you pass that, you're retreating, you're backing up, and you're stopping the guys at the point of contact. But why not initiate it? Why not get them running off the ball? When you have a young off on off the line like they have right now, and guys that are not that, um, what I would say, seasoned, give them an opportunity to run and dictate the tempo. When you run block, you come off the ball. That means you're being aggressive. You're being you're being the hammer and not the nail. And they don't do that enough. To call one run play, one call run play when they hand it off to the back in one half is is, is totally ridiculous. You just can't you can't do that, you know. One run play that you hand it off to your back in a half, that means that the the defensive line playing against your offensive line are teeing off. Mm-hmm. They're pinning their ears back. And rushing the passer every single play. They're not even worried about the run. And you see in the second half playing against the Bucks, they ran the ball a little bit and caught them off guard. They were able to get some hay just by running the rock. They moved the ball when they ran the rock. And then I also think it's a travesty that they they don't allow Jalen Hurts to run the offense the right way. And you know, this this I, I don't like the fact that they run all these RPOs. Now, I understand why they're doing it. They want to use this skill set. The teams have figured that out. These coordinators get paid millions of dollars to stop quarterbacks, and that's exactly what they did. They know that the Eagles going to run RPO, so what do they do? They slant the end, which makes you pull the ball from the running back. So that takes the run aspect out of it. But usually when you slant it in, you scrape a linebacker. Well, they're not scraping the linebacker. They're making the linebackers play back at linebacker depth which is now taking away the quick pass because now they're sitting in the passing lane because they didn't scrape. They're sitting back there at linebacker depth. Now you can't throw the quick pass to the RPO. Now you're asking your quarterback now to go out there and be an improv type of player. Now they're, you know, they're not playing within the schoolwork of what the player is trying to accomplish. Now he's freestyling. Now everybody's talking about he's freestyling too much. No, they're taking away his reads in the past and taking away the run by slanting the end. It's masterful as far as the defensive concept, and that's what's going on with Jalen Hurts. He's just not given an opportunity because the play calling has been so bad. 
Yeah, and and Barrett, it seems like you know this. It's one thing that you come out, you win that Atlanta game, and everything works right. And then you go, you you play Dallas or 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 whatever, or you play San Francisco, and you play well offensively for the first half. You don't put points in the end zone, but that is what it is. So you're thinking, okay, th- this works. Dallas showed you it didn't work. Kansas City, look, that's a shootout. Kansas City's defense susceptible. I think that was fool's gold. You're putting up all those yards at the end of that game. Yep. But how can you take out of that pan? Maybe it's because it's a short week. The Panthers game, they did nothing offensively at all, right? You come out of that and you come back with the same game plan. I would hope with 10 days off, they come back with something that looks a little bit more like a professional offense next week. You agree? Uh, you have to give them something. I mean, I, on a, a post game show, I'm sitting there with Steph Jordan. <laughs> and as a defensive guy, he turns around, he says something kind of prolific. He says, this offense that they're running looks more like a high school offense as opposed to being an NFL offense. So if you think that Jalen Hurst can't run a pro offense, then you gotta you gotta make some decisions. But if you're holding him back and not calling the good game, you also gotta make a decision on whether you're the right play caller or not. Maybe you need to go to Stitchcom to make him, you know, I was point there to make him call plays as opposed to the head coach calling. Because this is his first time calling plays also. Yeah. But something has to change. You have to implement some type of run game, you know, just to have balance. You can't ask a quarterback that's not really a drop-back quarterback to throw 30, 40 times a game. It's just not fair to him, and it's not fair to the offensive line having to block him. Yeah, and, and you know, at least some of these high school coaches, especially in South Jersey, will run the ball. That's a, <laughs> it might even be better than what we're seeing on Sundays. Uh, Barrett, thank you so much for joining us, man. We hope you come back later on in the season. Uh, we appreciate it. And everybody, be sure to watch uh, the pregame and postgame live for NBC Sports Philadelphia. And Barrett, tell them where else they can find you during the week. You know what? I have a show called The Middle. Um, it, it's on YouTube. All you got to do is look up The Middle on Jacob Media. Um, I do college football games on the weekend for uh, ESPN. So I, mm-hmm. I do that also. All you got to do is look at my social media. And also, you know, I'm going to hit a couple of Eastern games, man. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I, I do a little bit of coaching for um, – for Woodrow Wilson, help the offensive line out a little bit. But also, man, I got, you know, I want to talk about a couple up and coming stars, you know, especially, you know, a good friend of ours, you know, little Charlie Folk. Mm-hmm. We, 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 got some, we got some guys in the wind, you know. He, he's two years from high school, man, but, you know, look at what he's doing. I think issues going to be pretty good within the next three years, man. So they're trying. My, my, my nephew has to play for Eastman also. Wide receiver Aaron Brooks, mm-hmm. six foot two, six foot three, 200 pounds. Um, I, you know, he's a high school hurdler. He's doing pretty good as a senior year, but, you know, they just got to get back on track at Eastern, man. They're, they're, they're behind the bus because kids aren't playing football like they used to, man. We got to yeah. get them more involved in football, man. We got to do it, man. Brady, I, I totally agree with you, especially living in Voorhees. That's been one of the things that has hurt that program is not a, a lot of kids playing football. When I first started coaching out there, it was – you know, the fall baseball guys, they, they all play football. Right. And, you know, once they started that fall baseball and year round lacrosse and things like that, you start taking, 
you know, four or five of the better athletes around in the town and putting them putting them on travel baseball and lacrosse. And you're kind of stuck with maybe having two or three guys instead of having, you know, a team full of, you know, really good football players. Man, it, it makes you a more rounded athlete, you know. Plus, you don't wear out the muscle you used to for, for that specific sport, man. Man, I, I mean, Deuce played everything, man. What didn't Deuce play, bro? Right. That's what I'm saying, man. You know, and, you know, it's like my, my, my nephew, man, my brother's son. Bro, you got a guy that's six foot two, six foot three, 200 pounds, is a hurdler, great athlete, but they just don't have enough football players on the team to really, you know, be successful. Right. So I'm so glad to see little Charlie Paul getting up, man. You know, they, they're undefeated right now. You know, he hasn't made the high school yet, but you can see guys playing together from a young age yeah. in the Voorhees um, Vikings program, and they're starting to get up. And, and, and you know, once they get to, to the high school, those guys have been playing together for about five or six years already, which will help with them becoming, you know, a powerhouse again in Eastern um, – Eastern football team, man. So it just takes these, these kids getting back into playing multiple sports, playing a lot more football with each other so they know each other. I mean, and, and it keeps kids out of trouble also, man. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting back back involved with football, man. Well, thanks, Barrett. And uh, good luck this year, man. Hopefully we'll have you on here in a couple of weeks and we'll be talking some better things. We'll say, you know what? They listen to everything we said and now look at them. They can't lose. <laughs> there we go, man. <laughs> you know, especially when it makes sense. <laughs> yes, sir. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Barrett. All right, Barrett. Take it easy, guys. All right. Oh, man, Barrett, what a great interview. Man, that's, Barrett is, is so passionate, man. I'm telling you guys, um, a lot of the guys that are you know, retired football players, getting to watch them watch a football game. I'm just sitting there. I'm just watching everything, you know. I'm, I'm seeing their passion. And I'm starting to see – you start to see the game at, a, at another level when you when you sit and talk to some of the professionals because, you know, I played high school, youth, and, and a, a little bit of college. You see the game at a certain level, but there is a, another level or two above what we all know. So seeing certain little – intricate details from you know professional guys is really that that's it's mind-blowing yeah. you know it's mind-blowing yeah and, and i'm grateful for him to take the time i know he's got a busy schedule yep. like he says he's saturdays he's, he's probably he's in kansas somewhere yeah he's he's out <laughs> and about and he's got a lot of stuff going on so for him to come on and talk a little ball with us very appreciative just speaks to the type of guy barrett brooks is mm-hmm. um and I tell you, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but dude, he has the biggest watches I've ever seen. Yes, like the watch face. I mean, he's a he's, he's a, a big guy. He's a very big guy. Big guy. Um, but that watch face, man, like I could eat dinner off it. To be honest with you. Yeah, he's he's a uh, Barrett's a well rounded guy, businessman. Um, his family is a is a very good family. Um, his wife Sanji, like they're they're really nice people. You know, sometimes you you meet uh, some of the athletes that have been professionals and mm-hmm. things like that. They give you a different vibe, but you know, being out in the Voorhees community, you, you start to meet a lot of people, you know, his, his daughter and, and my son Deuce, they grew up together. His, like he said, his nephew, I, I helped his nephew early on in, in the youth program when they first moved here. So knowing them, knowing their family, he's a, he's a, Barrett is one of the coolest dudes yeah. to know, yeah. like beyond football. 
Like yeah, just a great team. just to hang out with him. It, it, he's a really cool dude. So I'm glad he he took the, the time out and came on today. Definitely. Yeah, that was huge. Um, I do want to say we, we had a comment in here. Millville did beat Kingsway 22 to 16 yesterday. Okay. So congratulations to Millville. Congrats. Um, the seventh and eighth grade team. I know that they've been doing great uh, this year. I think they're undefeated. I said, um, let me give a shout out to our sponsor real quick. And then we'll talk about what we have next week. So, the Morristown Fieldhouse brings you this show, and the Morristown Fieldhouse was designed to provide a high-quality destination-based indoor sports facility and sports science center. It offers a wide range of uses and services, including best-in-class physical therapy, sports training, and fitness, 70-yard climate-controlled indoor turf game field, 10,000-square-foot turf training center. The Fieldhouse is a facility that offers unlimited opportunities for individuals, small groups, teams or clubs to train, play games, have fun, and improve their skills. Whether you're a parent working one-on-one to help build your child's skills, a team, a coach, or an individual seeking to develop your own skills, Fieldhouse has what you're looking for. The Morristown Fieldhouse, where champions train and play. Call them at 856-581-9293 or go to fieldhousemorristown.com. So grateful that those folks have agreed to sponsor the show and bring us here every Sunday morning. There's a lot of action coming up next week. And, you know, I look at this Saturday slate. That's the thing that's really going to give me a lot of trouble. Where am I going to go on Saturday? I think we got, you know, Salem and Pensgrove is always one of my favorite games to see. They play on Saturday. You got Woodstown heads to Paulsboro in, you know, a massive game in Group 1. Uh, Woodstown lost once, 6 to nothing to St. Thomas Aquinas up north. Haven't lost since. They threw it on Pensgrove a couple weeks ago. Um, Paulsboro lost that opener. Same deal. I think six to nothing, right, to Woodbury. And they've gotten better and better as the season's gone on. So that'll be a big one at Paulsboro. And also Washington Township is going to be playing um, St. Joe on Saturday. That's going to be held down at that Hamilton Middle School. Right. Um, so a lot of good action on that front. And the playoffs, Mac and I are going to go through some of the playoff stuff on Wednesday on the show, 7 p.m., right here, the South Jersey Football Frenzy Show. We're also going to have uh, Coach Reagan of Woodbury join us, I believe. So we got a lot to talk about. we got a lot going on, Rod. It's, it's the midway point, a little bit past the midway yeah. point now. So, you know, with playoffs uh, coming up, some of the coaches uh, and teams that have been having success throughout the season, it's starting to clear up a little bit who the team to beat could be. So, um, great time right now in South Jersey. Yeah, we appreciate everybody tuning in and commenting. And then we had a couple of guests. We didn't get as much interaction as usual from back and forth with you guys. But appreciate you in here. Always uh, share this thing out. And we will have the audio version up here soon that you can listen to on all your podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is the Mark Tribble's Hats Off podcast presented sponsored by the Morristown Fieldhouse. Any parting shots, Rod? No, just enjoy the day, Eagles fans. Just watch some football, sit back. Nice breeze outside. The sun is out. You know, get out and back, barbecue, have some fun. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Have some fun, man. Enjoy the weather. Thank you, Bear Brooks. Thank you, Jaquan Howard, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday night here. And then we'll see you again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. For Rod Self, I'm Mark Tribble. This has been my Hats Off podcast.